0: Welcome to the Content Strategy Experts Podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. Since 1997, Scriptorium has helped companies manage, structure, organize, and distribute content in an efficient way. In episode 12, we discussed the death of training. 20 years ago, we offered public and private training classes on a regular basis. Today, most companies will not pay for tools training, instead, they farm out tasks to expert contractors. Hi everybody, I'm Alan Pringle, I am Chief Operating Officer at Scriptorium and I'm here with Sarah O'Keefe.
1: Hi, I'm Sarah, I'm the CEO and Alan and I are the joint founders of this glorious enterprise.
0: Yes we are, and we've been doing this for 20 years and we've seen some changes in regard to training in these past 20 years and I'll let Sarah do a little history lesson quickly on the kind of training work we did, say, 15, 20 years ago.
1: Right, so 15 or 20 years ago, we had several people on staff who spent um, a couple of days a month on the platform, as we called it. So doing classroom training, whether it was in a public class that we scheduled and offered or in a private class that we were doing just for a customer of ours. And I can't give you the exact numbers on what percentage that made up of our overall uh, revenue, but it was significant. It was
0: substantial, yeah.
1: and that was you know that was a big part of our work was scheduling and figuring out who's going to travel to this location and deliver this class. And the thing is, it, it didn't it didn't die quickly. But 20 years on, what we're looking at is that we rarely, or or I should say, never offer public classes and we do private classes and private stuff but it is not nearly the volume that we used to do 20 years ago
0: yeah and looking at the changes in the past 20 years i think a big contributor to this is technology now you can have websites dedicated to training that have exercises that have lessons that have videos and a lot of what i would consider maybe 101 level training is now folded into websites that are inexpensive or even free so as a result I think there may be this perception why from a company's point of view why am I going to pay to have somebody take a class you know in person or whatever when I can have them go online and learn these skills maybe even on their own time at no cost
1: Right, and I mean, there's been some discussion about this recently um, about how employers are saying, if you don't show up with the right skills, we won't hire you. Right? There's no, oh, you have nine out of ten of the right skills, so that's good enough, and we'll teach you the rest. It's more like if you're not a perfect match, we won't even consider hiring you. And it it seems, you know, it seems a little unfair to expect people to just go out and learn this stuff on their own without any support. No, it it.
0: I can see why you would perceive it to be unfair, but on the flip side, and I'm going to be, you know, the devil's advocate here, I can understand why a corporation may not want to pay to do skills or for skills that they perceive the person should have. I'm kind of torn on that from a management versus a non-management point of view on that.
1: Right, and I can almost see it for a new employee. I mean, you put out a rack and you say, this is what we want. And knowing that there are all these free sites out there, like uh, Shameless Plug for our Learning DITA site, you know, you can go out there and learn DITA and show up with at least a baseline level of skill. But what about the employees that have been there for a while? I mean, are they supposed to go out, you know, in their copious free time on the side and just learn this stuff? or is it reasonable to say well when we make a transition from the tool that we hired you knowing to a new tool that you maybe don't know yet that there should be some support provided there absolutely and I want to be really clear when I'm
0: I am NOT advocating for a no training position at all if you were doing any kind of tool change any kind of change to your process technology whatever change management which we have beat like a dead horse Mm -hmm. on this podcast and previous episodes, you cannot just buy the technology and throw it at people and say, do it. You will fail. It is guaranteed you will fail. So in that case, training is as important as the technology itself. It is part of a change management process. It is not optional as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I suppose there could be room in there for these online low-cost resources for an employer to say go work your way through these things or here's a subscription to lynda.com go learn what you need to learn Um, and you can take X amount of time in a given week to do that to do that learning that you need to do in order to continue to be productive in your job but you know like you said it's pretty clear that that idea of classroom in person put everybody in a room and spend a couple of days Uh, learning a specific thing is becoming more and more rare. It is, and when we were working on
0: projects, say even seven, ten years ago, when we would go in and do a content strategy assessment and we talked and interviewed the various stakeholders, we would often hear things, from people saying, oh, we want to be self-sustaining. We want to learn every single aspect of this workflow and how to change it. But I have seen an absolute shift in that point of view, and there's one case in particular that really opened my eyes to this change. About five years ago, I was at a client site, and I was talking to the director of IT. We were talking about tools for a data implementation, And part of that was they had to transform their source XML into HTML, PDF, and whatever else with transformations. And I told her, you know, we will be glad to train some of your IT folks on XSLT, XSLFO, so you can manage the changes to those style sheet transformations yourself. And she said, no, I'm going to stop you right there that is a very niche thing I do not want to waste my resources and time I have you know a bucket of hours for these people and I don't want to waste it on something that small and that niche because once those style sheets got implemented they would only need to update them every once in a while so it wasn't going to be a huge amount of time to do that however to learn XSLT and XSLFO if you don't have those skills, that is a tremendous undertaking. That is not easy stuff, even for a lot of programmers. And as a result of that, she's like, that is not a good use of my time. And she added also, I don't want to give someone those skills because they could turn around and leave and take that knowledge with them. <laughs> so I can't dispute what she said, but it really opened my eyes to, to that point of view.
1: And that seems to be... That seems to be the sort of dominant winning perspective today. Yes. Um, Again, 15, 20 years ago, what we would hear was, well, we're going to do this project, but we don't want to be dependent on evil outside contractors on an ongoing basis. We want to do this project, and then you're going to come in, you're going to train us on everything that we need to know so that we can maintain this thing in-house and you people can go away. Right. I mean, literally and they were usually nice about it but they they didn't want us there they didn't want us there in a, on a long-term basis because that was considered bad because that meant dependence on outsiders rather than having a team that had all the needed skills on board in-house permanent and ex- and exactly what you said right now people are saying forget it I don't want to train my people on this weird esoteric stuff that they're not going to use that much and then they're going to leave so why should I bother so there's been a complete turnaround to saying that's just something we're going to hire we're going to use our outside contractors periodically as needed to do those things and we're not going to bother training our in-house team on that because we don't see enough value there to do that um, We you know for the record we're, we're okay with doing it either way and we have clients that operate in both ways but there's a really really clear trend towards saying we're not going to bother we're going to farm that out and make make you guys do it because that is not something that we want to train our in-house people on
0: right it, it makes no sense for us financially to get people to learn these weird things it just doesn't help us out in the long run it doesn't meet their business requirements basically
1: So I wonder if this is really, you know, is it a change in the attitude towards training, or is it just that the tools are getting so weird and so esoteric that, you know, at that level, it makes more sense to outsource? And there you go, getting in my head again. This
0: is a common problem, by the (laughs) way. Um, We, you know, 15, 20 years ago, we were dealing with more desktop publishing tools Mm -hmm. that were a little more straightforward, when you start getting into structured content where you create, say, XML source files that are then transformed into multiple different outputs, you are not seeing what that formatted end result or end results look like. Because there's been a shift in that kind of thing. It's all under the covers, behind the scenes. I'm going to push this button or type in this command and create my various outputs. Well, all the things, the levers behind the scenes that make that happen are vastly more complicated than a WYSIWYG interface on a piece of desktop publishing software, and I think that's a huge contributor to the part of this shift. And also, companies are getting, in a lot of cases, uh, don't want to spend a lot of money, and that's one way they can cut costs.
1: Right, and so I guess, I mean, maybe it's a little bit of everything because for the authors, the content creators, the bar of what they need to learn is actually lower because they're not doing all this formatting and all this crazy. Um, but for the sort of production or whatever you want to call that piece, the bar is much higher, so we, we see that, that separation. Um, I do want to, you know, make a, a bit of a defense of classroom training because, you know, we go along with this and we say, okay, you know, we'll minimize the training or we'll do web-based training or we'll... Um, go work through learning data, and we'll answer some questions and do what we need to do. However, um, classroom training beyond the actual learning environment has some really unique advantages. Um, you, can, you can learn a basic tool in a lot of different ways, whether it's online or through videos or through just trying it out on your own or whatever. But if you have a classroom full of your coworkers, so you take your team of five or ten people and you go into the classroom and you work together, so you're learning together, then what you have is a shared, uh, possible painful experience. You have an opportunity to work in that team and to build rapport and to bond with your team, to learn a little bit about your coworkers. Uh, that maybe you wouldn't learn, especially if you're on a geographically distributed team where you only see each other once a year, if that. So I think that's there's there's value there, and it's important to look at that question of what do we get by putting all these people in a room and having a shared experience above and beyond, okay, after three days they're going to know something about the tools. And we have fewer and fewer... Uh, companies that are willing to make that investment and and I think again it's what you were talking about there it's why bother they're just going to leave why you know why do this
0: and there's this kind of sad self-fulfilling cycle when you have that attitude or the extreme version of that attitude because I am not going to invest in my people or maybe not even treat them super well and then you wonder why they leave. So there's a catch-22 there with that kind of an attitude, and I think management really needs to be aware of that. They're sending a message
1: mm-hmm.
0: when they're when they're handling training in that manner.
1: Yeah, and there's, I mean, we have to find a balance like everything yes. else. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, if you, you know, if your attitude is that your, you know, your team is sort of generally disposable, then your team is probably going to also treat their job as a thing that is disposable and replaceable. So that's where we are uh, in some environments. Um, yeah. Others are, are doing what I would consider to be the right thing. Yeah, and I think another
0: benefit of being together in a classroom beyond you know what you just mentioned is that a lot of times classroom training is very focused and customized on a particular implementation or how that company has put something together. That way, everyone's saying, oh, we're going to solve this particular problem we've always had in this way. So when you have that customized training and you're talking about these shared problems all together, it really does make things more clear to people. And I think you're going to have great difficulty finding that level of specificity in a canned online class. There are some very good online classes, but you're not going to get that level of detail or customization
1: in those, very rarely. And that is, in fact, the direction that we've sort of gone in is to say, um, go to the low-cost options for the basics, the introductory stuff, the generic stuff, but when it comes to the point of talking about your particular setup, your particular implementation, your particular business requirements, right, if you make medical devices, you have a very different kind of set of requirements than you do if you make uh, industrial equipment, and if you make uh, or if you're in government or nonprofits. I mean, they all have different kinds of priorities for their content, and you know, and should. And those are the kinds of things that are worth discussing in a group setting with your coworkers, with some sort of a facilitator or a leader who can talk to you about that and raise those questions and help you work through them.
0: Exactly. And I think we have done a pretty good job of showing the pros and cons and, you know, why training is, quote, dying. And it may not be necessarily dying, but I think we are changing our perception in how we apply training and how a lot of companies are applying training these days.
1: Yes, but Death of Training is an excellent clickbait title. So, um, but, but you're right. I mean, so the point of training is not really to learn the basics. It's to uh, connect with your coworkers and solve problems together and build that rapport and work through those kinds of things.
0: Exactly. And I think on that note, we're going to wrap up. So thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. For more information, visit scriptorium.com or check the show notes for relevant links.